2 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> and then when you find that, I would like you to put a marker in there. We'll come back to it a little bit down in our message in our study tonight. And then if you would please turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. That will be our text tonight. So 2 Peter chapter 3 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you remember, um, this morning I asked you to, to think about a verse today, to pray over it, to read it. Uh, look at it word for word. And that verse was found in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. I called it our theme verse for the day. Where the Lord Jesus, when he rose from the dead, came back to his church that he built while he was here on this earth. And he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And our churches are called to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We need to have an every creature mentality. We need to have an every creature vision. Every person needs the gospel. Amen? And therefore, it's our responsibility to have that in our heart and to labor under that context, to labor under that command, and to know that the Holy Spirit will guide us in doing that. And I said this morning, the Lord does not give us commandments impossible to do. Do you believe that? I just don't think he does. If he said, go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, then his churches can go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And if there was a testimony back in the book of Acts where every person under heaven heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, that can happen again. It don't matter what the population is. God's the God of the impossible. And so think about that verse. We're going to carry that out uh, further tonight in our study. And uh, I want to uh, begin reading with you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, just a little background to this, uh, this epistle. Of course, this was a letter that was sent by Paul to the church at Thessalonica. This was a church that he planted in the second missionary journey, a tremendous church, a soul-winning church. And we're going to look at that tonight and just see uh, how they did this soul-winning, uh, the context of it all. And I think it would be a real encouragement to us in light of our theme and in light of what we've been called to do. So let's begin reading. I want to read this chapter to you. It's not too long. It says here in verse 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our coming and our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, or brethren beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Now those are two provinces, okay? For from you sound out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith to God is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which he delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, Father, I want to thank you tonight for this church. They are my friends. I want to thank you for the love for missions. I want to thank you for the love for lost people. I want to thank you, dear Lord, for the love for you. And Lord, I pray tonight as we continue our theme thought, 
go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, that the Holy Spirit will again have liberty in our hearts to uh, impress us and to mold us into what you would want us to be. Father, tonight there may be some correction that's needed. There may be some instruction that's needed. There just may be some encouragement that's needed. But you know our hearts, Lord, and may we allow you to have liberty tonight. And we ask these things in Christ. Amen. You know, a lot has taken place in the last three years. We've gone through a worldwide pandemic called COVID-19 that continues to plague the world with new strands. We witnessed a worldwide shutdown that threatens to repeat itself. COVID was used for power and greed and to, and, and to control the masses. Worldwide mandates for the COVID vaccine and booster shots are being produced again and again. A worldwide push for global government. Public services denied to those who have not been vac vaccinated. Our southern border, a, a, a floodgate allowing millions of illegal immigrants into our nation, I would say invading our nation with their diseases, their crime, their drug and human trafficking. State governments denying parents the right to raise their children. Abominations abounding throughout our nation. A gender-denying movement that denies God's creation of man and woman and endeavors to redefine the American family with a desire to destroy it. Public schools encouraging our young children to deny their biological identity and don't tell your parents. Grade school children and above encouraged to undergo sex change surgery. Mass shootings across our nation nearly on a weekly basis. Out of control crime and rioting going through our cities. Our work ethic is destroyed. Inflation is soaring, causing the rising price of commodities. Gas prices hitting an all-time high and rising again. A worldwide energy and food crisis with starvation in many of our third world nations that is not reported to us. China spying on America, flooding our markets with their goods and buying up farmland in America. Deception in our government leaders, a loss of respect and standing on the world stage among nations. The Russia-Ukraine war drawing nations around the world into the conflict. And now the recent Hamas barbarianism and Holocaust of Jews in Israel. Israel defending herself by sweeping across Gaza to destroy Hamas. Nations lining up in opposition to Israel's defense and even questioning their right to exist. Superpowers flexing their muscles in the Middle East and the threat of a nuclear war. You know, it's the talk of the hour. Get around Christians and soon, if not right away, it becomes a topic of discussion. And along with the topic of discussion comes the topic of the rapture. Oh, listen, go over a few pages of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Some of the sweetest verses in the Bible. Look at verse 13 with me. Paul said to this church, I'd not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend with heaven from a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Aren't you getting excited? Then we which are alive and remain, and that could be us, shall, shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Oh, what sweet words to the believer that knows this Bible. Amen. 
And we hear the talk today, all the signs of his coming are all around us. Uh, his coming is near. You know, the United States is not in the Bible, and therefore she must fall and cease to be the superpower of the world. We know we're, we're in the last days, you know, and, and there's a falling away. And, you know, I, I, I believe with everything going on and what I'm saying, I believe he's coming back in my lifetime. And we cry, oh, Lord Jesus, come and take us out of this mess. Eschatology has once again become a consuming Bible study. Prophecy conferences are once again a popular conference. Indeed, we're witnessing a foretaste of what's described for us in Revelation chapter 5 and on. Not able to go here or there if you don't have the mark of vaccination. Not able to buy at certain restaurants and stores unless you have proof of vaccination. Medical care refused by hospitals if have not the mark of vaccination. Freedom of speech contrary to government policy called hate speech and terrorist activity and subject to prosecution. Cryptocurrency being pushed on our nation that will control what we can and cannot do. And there are even false prophets and teachers today declaring that we're witnessing the fulfillment of the book of Revelation. But can I remind you of the Bible outline that God gave us for that book? If you'll turn with me, hold your place in 1 Thessalonians and quickly go over to Revelation chapter 1. Whenever I talk about Revelation, I always bring this verse up. You know, it's the only book in the Bible where God gives us an outline by which to study it. Did you know that? Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. And look at verse 19 with me. Here's the outline. Write the things which thou hast seen. That's chapter 1, amen? John saw the Lord Jesus Christ. And my well description of him. It doesn't really fit the description we have given of him by many today. And then he goes on and says, and the things which are. That's chapter 2 and 3, amen? The seven letters to the seven churches, the church age. That's today, praise the Lord. And then he goes on and says, the things which shall be hereafter. That's chapter 4 to 22. That will follow when God's people are taken out of here. Amen. And if you drop down to chapter 4 and look at verse 1, it says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I'll show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. I don't know about you, but to me that sounds like the rapture. Huh? And notice that between chapter 3 and chapter 4, nothing is required to happen except for the sound of the trumpet. We've got to go back to 1 Corinthians 15, where another passage on the rapture, where we're told in verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. By the way, we is thee. We is us. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkle of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption... And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, therefore, therefore, it's pointing back to what's been said. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be a steadfast, unmovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And in light of the current events, it seems that God's people in America are looking for the rapture more than they ever did before, but with purpose. Oh, Lord Jesus, come and take us out of this mess. We're fearful. We do not want to suffer for Jesus. And we're consumed with watching the news of the hour and laboring for, uh, looking for Jesus to come to take us out of here instead of laboring for the rapture. Could I remind us of what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12? Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Can I give that to you again? Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer, shall suffer persecution. There was persecution in Paul's day. Before Paul became Paul, he was Saul. Amen. And oh, how he hated the way. And I said this morning, he persecuted Christians. He killed them. He murdered them. He was a murderer. He threw Christians in jail, <coughs> turned children onto the street as orphans. He was determined to wipe it out. But then he tasted that persecution, didn't he? All of his life. You can trace Baptist history through the trail of blood. It's all through there from the, uh, from the book of Acts all the way up through our present day. There's persecution in third world churches going on even as I speak to you tonight. Pakistan, Manipur, other places suffering to severe persecution. And by the way, there's been persecution in the United States. Bibles burned and churches being burned. And hear me, the rapture is not God's promise of deliverance from persecution. But rather the rapture is God's promise to take us out of here before the great tribulation or the seven years or Revelation chapter 5 verse 21 takes place. And we should not be praying for the Lord to take us out of here, but rather prayerfully and urgently plowing the fields of the world with the gospel of Christ, expecting the Lord's return any day. That's how we're going to be looking at the rapture. Look back with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and drop down to verse 6 with me. Go back to our text. Paul said to that church, you became followers of us, now watch this, and of the Lord. Of us and the Lord. In other words, Paul was a follower of the Lord. They were a follower of Paul who was a follower of the Lord. Therefore, they were following the Lord. And how were they doing that? Having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believed in Macedonia and Achaia. Remember, Macedonia was where Thessalonica was located. That's the province and also Achaia. We looked at that this morning. For from you sound out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God's word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Isn't that quite a verse? Do you believe God means what he says? Do you believe Paul meant what he said? He said, you know, wherever I go, you've already been there. And uh, wherever I go, your influence has been carried where churches have been established because of the preaching of the gospel. And they've reached further, and, and, and church has been established there because of the preaching of the gospel. And they've reached further. Wherever I go, your faith to God is spread abroad. And then look at verse 9 with me. For they themselves show us of what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, verse 10, and to wait for his Son from heaven. Underline that, to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. What a testimony 
They look for the coming of the Lord, not by asking God to, oh, take us out of this mess. Oh, God, take us out of this persecution. But rather, they look for the coming of the Lord by, by taking the gospel to others with urgency. It was the need of the hour. 2 Corinthians 6.2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Now's the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Not when I get around to it. Not when it's a more convenient time. Not when it's a better time, but now, today, right now, is a day of salvation. And that's so different from what our churches in America are doing today. Could I remind us of what the Lord taught his disciples concerning that great tribulation or the seven years of tribulation that will be followed by the thousand-year reign of Christ? Well, he said to his disciples in Matthew 25, just listen. Here's what he said, verse 13. Watch, therefore... For you know not the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. He said in Mark 13, verse 32, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son but the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is a man taken by far journey who left his house and, and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, that includes you and I, watch. Could I put that in a rapture context? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be a steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Could I give you a definition of the word watch? It does not mean look for signs of his coming. What does that matter to us? That's not why we're here. We're not here to look for signs of his coming. It does not mean, oh, Lord, please take us out of this mess. We don't want to suffer. No, no. But in light of his coming again, be awake. Be vigilant. Be busy. Be abounding in the work of the Lord. And I fear so many of God's people in our churches are sleeping instead of praying and laboring in the work of the Lord. We're sitting in the comfort of our church pews, consumed with the affairs of this life, complaining about the times that we live in instead of praying and, 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 and fervently laboring and getting the gospel out, expecting the Lord's return day by day, day by day. Now we know, according to the word of God, we know the rapture is imminent. That is, it can take place at any moment. Amen? We understand that. And no prophetic event is required before the Lord returns to take his bride out of here. In Philippians 3.20, Paul said, For our conversations in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to working whereby he's able even to subdue all things in himself. I hear believers say, his coming is near. I hear people say, it's going to be in my day. I've heard preachers preach that. Brethren, the coming of the Lord has always been near since the Lord returned to heaven. The last days began when he, when he went back to heaven. Every day is a day closer to the Lord's return uh, in the sky to call us out of here. It could have happened in Paul's day. Do you believe that? It could have happened in Paul's day. Hold your place in 1 Thessalonians. Swing over to 2 Peter chapter 3. According to 2 Peter chapter 3, the imminent return of the Lord was preached along with the gospel by the early churches to call sinners to repent 
and believe the gospel. It was preached and taught back then. How do you know that? Well, look at verse 3. 2 Peter 3, verse 3. Knowing this first, there shall come in the last days, which began when the Lord ascended to heaven, scoffers walking at their own lusts and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Now, I want you to, uh, to note what they said there. Where's the promise of his coming? Do you know what the promise is? He's coming again. It's the rapture. It's the imminent return of the Lord to take his bride out of here at any moment. Where did they learn that from? They learned it from the churches who looked for and preached the imminent return of the Lord by taking the gospel with a fervency and an urgency to every person. They had in every creature vision, my friend. They had in every creature labor. And hear me, the rapture may take place in our day, but brethren, you need to understand something tonight. It may not too. It may be another thousand years before it takes place. We don't know, said Jesus. But beloved, verse 8, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord's a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. You know, when a man thinks he knows the time of the Lord's return, he's always wrong. He's always wrong. There's been books published the exact date of when the Lord would come back. Thick books, amen. I can remember one many, many years ago back in the 70s. I can't even remember the guy that wrote it, but it was a thick book. I, had, I don't read thick books. I like thin books. But anyways, uh, you know, they're always wrong. And can I tell you something? If I was living in Israel back in the days when the temple was here and the Roman army invaded that city and completely demolished that city, and destroyed the temple, and the blood literally rolled down the streets, I would have believed that the coming of the Lord had been in my day. If I had lived during the days of Hitler, who was marching across Europe, unstoppable, conquering one nation after another, threatening England, turning on Russia, I would have thought, indeed, he's coming in my day. But he didn't, did he? You know, I cannot tell you when the Lord will return, and nor can anyone else. I can't do that, but I can tell you <laughs> why he's not yet returned. I can do that safely. You know, I've often said, you know, if, if I was a prophet, I would have been stoned a long time ago because some things I, I thought would happen haven't happened. Amen? You know, if a prophet said something and didn't happen, he was to be stoned in the Old Testament. I'm so glad I live in the New Testament days, aren't you? But uh, I, can, I can say with, with certainty why the Lord's not yet come back. 2 Peter 3, look at it, verse 9. There it is. The Lord's not slack concerning his promise. What's his promise? He's coming again. He's coming to call us out of here. He's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Brethren, that's why he's not yet come back. And if he doesn't come back tomorrow, that's the reason why. If he doesn't come back in 2023, that's the reason why. If he doesn't come back in 2024, that's the reason why. If he doesn't come back for a thousand years from now, that's the reason right there. Oh, he's not slack. He's not forgetful. He's not indifferent. He's not lazy. He's just long-suffering to us, Lord. The Lord wants every person to receive the gospel. And I can tell you how we believers are to be focused and vigilant and watching for his coming. Go ye, 
into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Brethren, that was a context of believers he was talking to. And the end of the world for this church age is the rapture when we're taken out of here. That's how we're to be looking for them. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses of me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That's how we're to be looking for the Lord. Praise God, on the day of Pentecost, that power came upon us by the Holy Spirit who entered our hearts to enable us by faith to do the work of God and to be busy in making the gospel known to others. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 with me and look at verse 1 again. And uh, remember the context. Paul writing to that church at Thessalonica. Paul and Savanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Now watch this, verse 3. Remembering without ceasing, number one, your work of faith. Number two, labor of love. And number three, patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. And there it is. That's how we're to be looking for the rapture. They did a work of faith. They asked and trusted God for his power, for the grace of God to enable them to obey his command, to take the gospel fervently unto others within every creature vision, and to baptize the new believers, and to add them to the church, and teach them commandments of Christ, and go reproduce churches that will go do likewise. And then they, they did a labor of love, persistent prayer, and abounding and proclaiming the gospel by the grace of God within every creature vision, regardless of the current events around them. And they did so with a patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that's referring to? That's referring to the rapture. Expecting the return of the Lord every day. Every day. Every day. How were they waiting for the Lord's return to call them out of there? How were they awake and focused and, and vigilant in their watching and expecting the Lord to come at any moment? By looking at current events and saying, oh me, oh my, his coming's going to be in my lifetime? By looking, looking at current events and crying, oh, even so, Lord Jesus, come and take us out of this mess? No, they did it by a work of faith. They were busy, busy trusting God's power to take the gospel to every person with every person uh, a vision. They were busy in the work of God, a work of faith. By faith, they did the work. They were busy in a labor of love, persistent proclaiming the gospel with every creature vision, regardless of the current events. And they had a patient hope for the coming of the Lord. That is, they expected the return of the Lord every day of their life. And how are we to watch for the coming of the Lord's? How are we to watch for that day when the clouds will part and we'll hear the trump and we'll be called by name to come out of this world? How would we be vigilant and focused on the rapture? By looking for signs and wonders? No. By praying for the Lord to take us out of this mess? No. Do a work of faith every day, my brethren. Do a work of faith. Ask, claim, trust the power of God, the grace of God by which to be a fervent soul winner for the Lord. Do a work of faith. Do a labor of love every day, my friend. Be persistent in prayer and proclaiming the gospel throughout the world and exercise a patient hope 
in the coming of the Lord. Expect the Lord to return every day and every hour of the day. He's coming again. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. Go with prayer. Amen. We ought to pray for souls to get saved. We ought to pray for the Lord the harvest and send forth labors in his harvest. We ought to pray for our Jerusalem that every person can receive the gospel in our Jerusalem. We ought to pray for the world for every person to receive the gospel. We need to pray. Amen. Go with prayer. Pray for souls to be saved. Go with testimony of your salvation experience. Tell people how you got. That's not a hard thing to bring up. You know, you, you can bring that up very easily with someone and say, you know, I just got some good news I want to share with you. I want to let you know that God's been so good to me. He's given me a home in heaven, and here's how he did it. <laughs> uh, go with a, a testimony of your uh, of track distribution. What a day. I mentioned this Sunday morning. What a day to hand out tracks. Brethren, I'll say it again. People are scared. They don't know what's going to happen. This world is upside down. Would you agree with me? We're seeing things we thought we'd never see in our lifetime taking place before our very eyes. We've seen a loss of common sense. We've seen an ignorance of God in our nation. And uh, brethren, people are scared. They're frightened. They don't know what to do with all of this. That's why it's very hard to get them to come to the door anymore. They don't want to open it up. Or if they do, it's just open up a crack and say, can I help you? They don't even say that. They say, what do you want? You know. Oh, the great time to hand out tracks. Amen. Would you agree with that? Well, I'll tell you what, the track rack ought to be constantly being filled in our churches. It's not hard to hand out a track. It really isn't. You can even act dumb. You know what I mean by that? You can't speak nor hear. They'll take it. Just keep doing that till they'll take it. Amen. And I don't recommend you do that. I'm just trying to make a point to you. It's not hard to hand out tracks. It really isn't. Go with track distribution. Go with an invitation to your church services. Oh, brethren, this is what people need in their lives. They need a body of believers that can come together, that love one another, that are an encouragement to one another, that pray one for another. That's my, do you folks sing? You sing wonderful. I came in earlier and heard the choir practicing, and, and I was impressed. Dave, up in the choir singing. By the way, this first choir, I've seen where there's more men than women in the choir. And uh, there's Dave, and the only thing that, that touched my heart, that kind of saddened me, there was Dave, but where was David, your son? We need to pray for that, amen? <laughs> I tell you what, having the father up there singing and David not up there with the son, amen? Wouldn't you agree with that, brother? Amen. <laughs> Invite people to church services, and brethren, go ye and share the gospel with prayer and confidence in the promise of God that the gospel is a power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know what I think our problem is today? We have problems. We do. I think our problem is today, we, we, we just limit what God can do. We've already decided what God will do. Oh, you know, America is gospel ignorant America is Bible ignorant, and by the way, she is. She's very Bible ignorant. You can see that on our college campuses. Huh? I mean, they've been producing those type of students all along. I mean, now they've just got something to really show themselves for. Uh, we are very Bible. And then we, then we, say, we say, well, you know, America's gospel hardened, and, you know, it, it's just, we're just not going to see what we used to see. Boy, you are Mr. Pessimistic. 
And then you want to use that excuse. Well, you know, uh, the days are going to get harder and, and, you know, there's going to be a falling away. Why don't you get over that? Why don't you quit complaining about the times that you live in and start proclaiming the gospel of Christ that's the power of God and the salvation and uh, get out there and be a witness for Christ and believe that God is still in the saving business and quit being pessimistic. I'll tell you what. I've come to this conclusion. By the way, I told you I do a lot of traveling. I'm, I'm saddened by the attitude of our churches today. Man, it's just me, thee, and a few of us, and that's it. No, no, no. Oh, well, you know, that was back then, back in the 70s and the 80s, and, you know, it's not going to be like that anymore. What's the matter with us? We serve the God in whom all things are possible. Nothing's too hard for him. His desire is for every person to receive the gospel, and we're limiting God and what he can do in America. Listen, America is not gospel-hardened. God's churches are gospel-hardened. That's where the problem is. We need to get back on fire for the Lord like we used to be. And expect God to do things. Expect it. You expect that he'll do it. You don't expect it, he won't do it. How we need a soul winning revival in our churches today. We're cold. We've got this new evangelism sweeping across our nations today, our nation today. Well, you witness by relationships. You befriend a person. You get to know them and you spend time with them and you get them to know you and then you give them the gospel. Fit that into going to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and it'll never get done. I'm all for relationships, but not at the expense of go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But that's where we are today. That's where we are. You know, you study our history as a nation. Go back to the 1700s, the founding of our nation. The gospel was preached. And not just by Baptists, but it was preached. You go into the 1800s, great revivals taking place. 1700s too, by the way. You go into the early 1900s, great revivals taking place. The gospel was preached. The Bible was honored. It, it, was, it, was a, it had reverence to it. We're lacking that today. But here's what we got to do. Quit blaming them and look at yourself and see how you have lost your fire for souls to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to get back to a soul winning revival in our nation. Do a work of faith. Ask, claim, believe, trust God for the, for the grace to, to take the gospel to others. Do a work of labor. Fervently publish the scriptures. Get out there. And, uh, and, and share the gospel. Be focused on the Great Commission. Be focused on the need of the hour. Be patiently expecting the return of the Lord today. And by the grace of God, just be busy in sharing the gospel in every creature vision. And expect God to do something, and he will. You know, I, fe I, fear, I fear God's people in our churches are so consumed and discouraged. I do believe that. They're discouraged. They're fearful of the news of the hour and the unknowns of tomorrow that we're looking for the rapture to take us out of here. I believe that. When we ought to be praising God for living in this hour. What a wonderful time to be on planet Earth. The world's falling apart and falling apart fast. I can't think of a better time to be on this Earth. 
I mean, you can do what you want with this body, but to be absent from, the Lord, from, the, from this body is to be present with the Lord, and nothing and no one can change that. Praise God. What a time to live for God. What a time to be a witness for the Lord. Exciting times we live in. You ought to be anticipating. You ought to be expecting great things to happen, and the greatest thing on this earth is a sinner accepting Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. You ought to expect that. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I was preaching the revival message that I preached here, I think a couple years ago, down in uh, New Jersey. And uh, I was just sitting there thumbing through the hymn book. I like to do that before I, when I, when I see a new hymn book. And I came across the battle hymn of the Republic. It's one of my favorites. How about you? It's not real popular down south, but I, I like it. Amen. I, I grew up in the north. Amen. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's one of my favorites. I always loved Battle and Republic. <laughs> I was preaching one day in the church in the south, preaching this message, trying to encourage people in the wonder most wonderful work on the face of the earth. And I brought up the Battle and Republic. That was a mistake. I mean, you could sense the spirit was shut right down. I mean that. Praise God, at least I was at the end of my message. But ah, I was, and I said to the pastor afterwards, I said, you know, brother, I'm sorry. I didn't realize it. I didn't. I, didn't, I wouldn't have done that if I realized it. I didn't realize that that would be the response to that. Well, he says, you better check the history of that song, and you know why we don't like it. I said, yes, sir. He said, what's the history? Check it out. I'm not going to tell you. But I came across a verse, and it wasn't a verse that's just been added. It's been there for a while. By the way, there's a lot of different verses for that. But I was in this hymn book. It had the normal four, and then they had this last one, and I'm going to sing it for you, so don't cry. Okay? We can almost hear the trumpet sound. The Lord's return is near. There are still so many people lost. His message, they must hear. Father, give us one more moment. One more day, just one more year. With God, we're marching on. Oh, that we get back to having a fervor for the gospel. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Lord, you could have so easily just, when Adam and Eve partook of that fruit and sinned, it was just two people, two people. You could have destroyed those people and started all over again, but you didn't because you love us. And instead, you promised a Redeemer that would pay the price for our sin suffer and die for us, bleed for us, and rise from the dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for the most precious verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life.
And thank you, Lord, for the promise that you're not lazy. You're not forgetful concerning the coming of the Lord. You're just long-suffering to us. Not willing that any should perish without coming to repentance. Thank you, Lord, that your desire, your heart, your desire, your passion is for every person to receive the good news of the gospel. Lord, I don't know this church. I think it's a great church. I think, dear Lord, uh, they love missions. And I'm thankful for that. But Father, I pray tonight that we'll just set all that aside and we'll let the Holy Spirit look into our hearts in this matter of the business that you've called us to attend to while we're here on this earth. And we would let the Holy Spirit have liberty to examine our zeal and our love for you and our love for others for the gospel of Christ. And oh, Lord Jesus, if there's a need for a revival in our hearts for soul winning tonight, may you have your way. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Pastor.